Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to 2021. This is our first episode of the new year. We are glad that you made it through. We did, you did, and now we move forward with probably an episode that has been percolating in the back of my mind. Tyler has been waiting for this episode for probably more than a year now, and Rhythm of War just gave him the perfect fodder to finally get this episode on the mic it moved us from a point of speculation (laughs) into canon and now all the things that i was like well maybe this could be no it's real the cosmere economy is the whole point guys it's quite robust we see in rhythm of war robust thriving cosmere economy I could no longer say that this was too boring for us to podcast about. (laughs) I want to start us off looking wide, looking at the whole entire Cosmere, some of the inspirations that Brandon has talked about, this linking aspect of the Cosmere being the economy. And then we're going to narrow it down and talk more specifically about Rashar, Rhythm of War, and our characters on that planet. And then we might speculate and go wild and kind of expand (laughs) it back out. So I hope you are in for this one. Our Rhythm of War episodes, we are trying to kind of fluctuate between really intensive, heavy research, a lot of book quotes, and some more fun speculation. We know that different people like different things, and we hope that we can bring all of that together at once for this, our first but not last Cosmere Economy episode. Where should we start with this Cosmere Economy? I would like to take us back into time to the year 2018. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of exciting things going on. Let's go to the small eastern Idaho town of Idaho Falls, where Brandon was doing a Q&A, and one of the questioners asked him, Quote, I'm curious, how did you get the inspiration for putting lights in spheres that give people powers? End quote. Now, his answer is long, but the first sentence is really what I want us to focus on and take away. So Brandon's response is, quote, so I bet if you track back where the origin of this is, a lot of the ideas go back to Dune where magic as part of the economy was really fascinating to me when I read it as a teenager. And so I've always looked for economic components to my magic. And then I'm going to end quote it right there. The basic concept of Dune, without starting a whole Dune review podcast, (laughs) which with the movie coming out this year, I'm sure a bunch of people, you'll be able to find Dune-related podcasts. It's a long, epic fantasy sci-fi series, but it has a specific product that is called spice and this is the basis of their economic system it is mined on some planets but not found on other planets and it also has some like drug properties so people take it recreationally and it's got kind of 
a lot of different elements all wrapped up into this natural resource. It's valuable, people take it for drugs, and it doesn't exist everywhere equally. So you have a prime setup in Dune for a economic system of wants and needs, of supply and demand. Brandon is saying that he was probably originally inspired by that idea, and now with what we've seen in Rhythm of War, we can really say that it's everywhere in his Cosmere books. We can pick out, and we will pick out, the individual aspects of each book that really kind of reference this. But Stormlight is clearly the most obvious. Spheres are used for money, they hold value, and they also, interestingly, Brandon brought up this as well in a different question, Stormlight is also used to make food through the Soulcasters. Similar to what you were saying about the system in Dune, I do think that Stormlight is commodifiable and useful in this way in a lot of different ways, similar yes, to that system where thing. like people are using it for light, you know, so like a super just like basic functional thing inside of all of their buildings. Mm-hmm. They're using it as currency to buy and to trade. The gemstones themselves have some value, just, you know, even uninfused. They're used now, obviously, by Radiance for magic. Um, so a whole bunch of different levels of value in this one thing. And then clearly its value to the Cosmere as a whole has more to do with its investiture. And that is the big takeaway that we have from Rhythm of War. We'll bring in some quotes specifically in a moment. But I want us to kind of keep that in mind when you're rereading, when you're going back and thinking about how are all these worlds connected the economic links between the planets are probably going to be the motivation for a lot of the stuff that we were speculating on just as early as last year. The different groups, one of which we'll focus on a lot today, the Ghostbloods, but also probably the 17th Shard and different world hoppers are, like most circumstances in our own human history, economically motivated like there is the potential to establish trade and that is always a powerful driving motivating factor throughout our own history and now we know it's also kind of the key driving factor in the cosmere as well so let's focus in on rashar specifically because from the very get-go we had a bunch of intrigue going on in the prologue. We see it's obviously from Navani's perspective, but she's witnessing Gavilar. Yeah, we really see more of Gavilar in this prologue than we have at any other point in time. And we find out so much more about all of the intricate and intriguing things that he is involved in that precipitates his death. So specifically, Navani eavesdrops on him in a meeting with two of the heralds, A, and it's clear that he knows that they are heralds, which is a huge reveal because at this point... Nobody does. Yeah, nobody knew that. So he's meeting with them. He knows who they are. And even more interestingly, like it's not the mortal trying to get something from the immortal beings. The immortal beings are 
interested in the experiments that Gavilar is doing. And Navani hears this, quote, Being able to bring them back and forth from Braes doesn't mean anything, one said. It's too close to be a relevant distance. It was impossible only a few short years ago, said a deep, powerful voice, Gavilar. This is proof. The connection is not severed, and the box allows for travel. Not yet as far as you'd like, but we must start the journey somewhere. End quote. And at this point, there is also a bunch of strange-looking spheres on the table in front of Gavilar, which we later realize are anti-void light spheres. This, you know, just pretty short quote is crazy. When you take the whole perspective of what we have been learning and what we piece together over Rhythm of War, I think that what Gavilar is talking about here with the Heralds is the ability to move spheres that are collecting anti-void light back and forth between braids, maybe as a way of infusing them. So like they take the spheres over to braids where they pick up a bunch of anti-void light and then move them back to Rashar where they can do tests on them. Right. And That's I kind think- of what it seems to me. I think at this point we should go over to Mraze, um, you know, later down the Rasharan timeline, because he articulates very clearly what this is about. When Mraze is talking to Shalon, he starts telling her about the Ghostblood's goal of transporting investiture to other planets. And he says, quote, It is bound to a specific land, making it very difficult to transport. It resists. Try to carry this too far, and you'd find it increasingly difficult to move, as it became increasingly heavy, end quote. So Gavilar is sort of testing this obstacle to moving investiture. I think exactly the way that you're saying the uh, void light or anti-void light that they're able to get on Braze. Um, They're trying to move it back to Rashar, a relatively short distance, to see if it will maintain that charge, in a way, through the journey. Because investiture is tied to a specific land in the same way that Type 2 invested entities, aka heralds, are tied to a specific land and therefore confined This concept of what is confined, how is it bound to a land, or how are things bound together, we have, of course, seen in other Cosmere stories. The most obvious is Lantris, where the land, the physical geography, is a key part of the magic system, and the seons and aeons are all bound together to that land. What and, you- like, Mistborn Secret History, with Kelsier trying to travel, he can't really go beyond a certain point. So we have all of these hints that are really pushing us in the same direction. Because to me, the real question is, like, why do the Heralds care so much about this? Why are the Heralds following Gavilar and kind of the Sons of Honor in this path? And it seems to be that the answer is because they don't want to be bound to Rashar or bound together, and probably they don't want to be bound to the Oath Pack. Like, they are at a point, with the exception of maybe Telenolot, that 
they no longer care about what is going on with Shar and just want to escape being bound there. Well, yeah, well, Kalak says specifically that he is afraid that Odium will take over mm-hmm. and reign and that he will be tortured. And like he's already spent thousands of years being tortured by Odium. And so like he wants off of this planet before that happens. We'll need to keep that in mind for when we talk about the heralds as well as the unmade. But I'm also just thinking this. So this concept of like being trapped or bound to a physical location is uh, is brought up quite a few times in this book. Mm -hmm. Like Mraes tells Shalon specifically, like, you're stuck here in this system. And she's like, I don't really care. Like it's a a three planet system. How terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I'm confined to three entire planets. Like, oh, wow, that's awful. But I wonder if this is also at least playing a factor into Odium's confinement and like why Odium can't leave this system. If it's because like he's a pure rhythm of Rashar now, he is so invested into this system that he has that super strong connection tying him here. Yes. And that's capital C connection. Yes. We know that it's hard to get that (laughs) view over the auditory medium, but is it applying to... Odium, the Heralds, the Spren, and therefore the Radiance all in the same way. Are there slight differences in that? There is a a show that's out right now on HBO based on a very famous fantasy novel called His Dark Materials, where like the demons are tied to their humans, they're bound together, and some of the characters can break that binding. And I feel that's kind of similar what we're dealing with here everyone is kind of bound to either each other or to the land itself and a lot of what it appears that the ghost bloods and specifically thydakar their leader are interested in is being able to break those things that are binding them together yeah and we know that it's possible because we see many characters who have been able to, you know, world hop and travel. And so clearly there is a different kind of binding that applies to Shalon. You know, when Marais is saying like, you're stuck here. Well, we know that Vavena and Basher and Hoyd and the 17th Shard have all been able to travel between worlds. And even the Ghostbloods themselves are an organization that are not originally from Rashar. We hear that from Wit, which is a super interesting quote. Quote, I believe it is time, Wit said, that I told you about Thydekar. I know of him, Yasna said. Oh, you think you do, he said, but I've met him several times on other planets, Yasna. The Ghostbloods are not a Rasharian organization, and I don't think you appreciate the danger they present. End quote. So this brings us to the Ghostbloods. Who are they? What do they want? It has been the driving question or one of the driving questions for Shalon this entire time. And I find the mystery of the Ghostbloods and how it keeps like an ogre or onions just (laughs) keeps having more and more layers underneath it. Because you could have seen this as like a Risharian based assassin organization that's been operating for a long time. That's kind of been done in different fantasy works before but 
how we just keep learning over and over again that the ghost bloods are deeper and now wit one of our you know core characters of like pay attention when wit says things yeah he is saying that they are an incredibly dangerous organization and that yasna one of our smartest characters doesn't recognize or understand the true danger that exists there from rhythm of war we can say with a little bit more authority that one of the main goals of the ghost bloods is to find a way to get investiture off world yeah that seems to be one of their driving missions at least at this point because of this they are also trying to disrupt or destroy the sons of honor who have a similar goal but probably for a different reason well from what i remember it is really just like the legacy of gavilar because gavilar was working with the sons of honor Mm -hmm. and he had all of this knowledge they are worried that as the sons of honor continue on they might discover what gavilar was working on and they don't want anyone else to have any kind of information about this interworld investiture carrying because they want a monopoly yeah i mean that is the simplest and most straightforward way to think about it they want a monopoly in our own world i would compare it to the portuguese who were the first europeans to open up trade with china japan indonesia and the different empires in kind of southeast asia And they controlled that for a very long time. And basically, it allowed them to punch above their weight or to have more power than they otherwise would Mm -hmm. because they controlled the trade routes in the same way. Even older, further back in time, you had empires that could control a passage, either a sea passage or a land passage. And if you could control this like one straight, then all of the trade would either have to go through you and you could charge a little tax each time or they would have to go all the way around you. Sometimes that would be impossible. And basically it was a way to get very, very rich, wealthy and powerful while not having to actually build a gigantic empire like the British or the Mongols. That just had to, They have to like keep growing in order to maintain. And as soon as they stop growing, they start to kind of crumble and fall apart. These other empires just figured out like, no, we'll just we'll just charge you a tax every time you go across our bridge. And because the trade was so valuable, people would be willing to pay the tax. I think that's basically what the ghost bloods are trying to set themselves up to be a kind of entity that first gets very, very wealthy on Cosmere trade. And then, you know, over time, the plan would be to control that trade control who can go through yeah and use that to just be like yeah you want to go through you know a people you have to pay us a bunch of money and if we don't want you to go through because you know you pissed us off or something then we can shut down those or just routes. like gatekeepers of technology right if like course, they are the it. the only people who can control the dissemination of things like seons then they automatically are going to get power status money etc So in some ways, this is kind of like the most basic of goals that anyone ever, like get rich and get powerful. (laughs) We've done it here on Earth. They're doing it 
individually on different planets throughout the Cosmere. The ghost bloods just seem to want to be doing that Cosmere wide. So it's not crazy. It's not abnormal. And it's a concept that's been played around with in different sci-fi and fantasy stories in the past. But this is by far the grandest scale of anything that we've seen. It's on a really big scale. (laughs) There are... Some other more niche or more interesting Mm -hmm. goals of the Ghostbloods as well that we discover in Rhythm of War. One is that they seem to be searching for Ba'ad Omishram, who is this unmade that we hear about quite a bit in this book and her role in the Recreants, her role in the Parshendi losing their minds basically losing their forms yeah in the past she tried to lead a false desolation and did that in part by binding the entire singer population that obviously backfires when Ba'edo Mishram is captured and it may actually be the gemstone that held Ba'edo Mishram that the ghost bloods are interested in yeah we there's still so many questions around this. Do we want to read some quotes? Yeah. Quote, I've been speaking to Kalek, the Herald. He seems to think the reason you're hunting him is because of an unmade. Ba'ato Mishram, the one who connected the singers long ago, giving them forms of power. The one who, when trapped, stole the singers' minds and made them into parchment. Why do you want the gemstone that holds Ba'ato Mishram rays? What are you intending to do with it? What power do the ghost blood seek with a thing that can bind the minds of an entire people? End quote. And that's from Shalon. Now, this is an interesting question that Shalon is asking. I do think she is asking the wrong question, that she's slightly off in what the purpose of this gemstone is to the ghost bloods. She's asking, Why are you seeking something that can bind the minds of an entire people? I don't think they want something that can bind the minds of entire people. They want something that is strong enough to bind very, very powerful minds, Mm. much like the Heralds or Thydekar, Mm -hmm. as we will talk about in a moment. Totally. Yeah, they want it as the vessel. They don't really actually care about Ba'ada Mishram being inside. Or the concept of like doing to Rashar, all of Rashar, what Ba'edo Mishram... Like, they're not trying to create a Death Star of controlling all of these people or (laughs) something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think, like you said, the vessel that is important here. Yeah, which seems to imply that there is something that happens to capital C connection in relationship to these gemstones, right? Like, Gavilar was saying... When he's transporting the gemstones, the connection is... Does he say it's still intact or it's not intact? He says it is not not severed. severed. And the box allows for travel. So he invented a shitty gemstone, a poor gemstone, is my concept. You think that's what the box is? The box is a poor gemstone. And then they put the void light inside or anti-void light. Not sure what they're doing. But in the same way that... Ba'edo Mishram, an unmade, can be put inside of a, this powerful gemstone. I think that's what the ghost bloods want. They want the vessel, a box, to move around 
the powerful entity that is Thytokar. Yeah, well, I, no, I, I think the box is a different thing. Oh, like, it's, it's, I think you would put the gemstone inside of the box. Okay, I... One way or the other, yes, I think you are yeah. correct that like the box is another thing, but I believe the the purpose is to move things around. But I do think like the gemstone itself would have to have some kind of property because when Ba'ato Mishram was imprisoned inside of it, it severed the connection between her and all of the singers, which is what caused the recreants yeah almost you know so there like has to be something that happened there i guess unless the bondsmith severed that connection first and then imprisoned her maybe they could be separate things yeah or it could be like the act of imprisoning it created the severing but if we see you know our most useful metal in the cosmere right now is aluminum maybe the gemstone is kind of like a, a naturally occurring aluminum where like no investiture can escape it and therefore mm. any connection to what was inside. Like any perfect gemstone would have that property? Yes, exactly. And that's why like stormlight leaks out of the imperfect gemstones mm. and they don't leak out of the, the perfect ones that we've seen so far. This is more speculation. Obviously, we're yeah. bringing in some quotes to like back up as much as we can but I do believe that the underlying purpose of the ghost bloods and therefore Marais is to assist their leader, Thydekar. Yeah. However, one last thing before we jump into the Thydekar speculation is what Shallan has done, and that is to become an enemy of the ghost bloods because of her betrayal, because of her stealing of the Seon. Uh, she is told this by Marais. Quote, Know that in doing this, you have moved against the ghost bloods in the most offensive of ways. We are now at war, Shallan. End quote. Now, even though Shallan is... I love this setup of yeah. like, Shallan versus the ghost bloods. It just feels like so epic. I feel like she's a Rasharan like 007 or something. I don't know. I love that idea of Shallan as a spy, basically. Shallan is the 007, the ultimate master spy. Because I also love the concept that what I want is for Shallan to take over the ghost bloods, to become <laughs> the Thydekar or the Marais of this uh, this group that is Cosmere aware and is making moves across the Cosmere. I don't know if that will happen, but... I, yeah, I see her more as like a Lewis and Clark type like explorer, mm. but Cosmere wide. So she's going to be like part Chris, you know, her scholar side, and then part adventurer. adventurer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I And she might be thwarting the plans of the ghost bloods along the way so i do think that the problem with that is the my concept is that the radiants are bound to rishar because of their spren bond so the only way that shallan could leave the risharian system mm. is to destroy her bond with pattern or sever her bond with pattern or like you were saying she needs to be spying on the ghost bloods and following all of their discoveries so that she can also get off world yes exactly but 
she is another example of these entities that is bound to a place. And if she wants to leave, like you're suggesting, she would need to find a mechanism to do that. Yeah. Now, obviously, Marais is our focus of the Ghost Bloods. We know that Ayatil is Marais's master, but we get a lot more focus on the Ghost Bloods through Marais. And linguistically, though not necessarily of appearance, Marais does appear to be Thalen. And so my first guess... Well, yeah, he has adopted some Thalen words. Again, he doesn't carry the traditional Thalen look of the curled eyebrows. But linguistics can sometimes be harder to fake than physical appearance. You know, you can shave your eyebrows or you can paint them. I don't think he's Thalen. Well, my only question is, is Marais Risharian? Is Marais from Rashar? I don't believe so. Okay. My guess right now is that he is. And I'm really okay. holding on to that concept of like the linguistics is giving him away. But we'll see. I think he is just using linguistics that he knows people will recognize here. It's interesting, though, that the Thalen people, the linguistics that he's either native to, if you believe me, or copying, if you believe Brooke, are people that are based in trade. And they are the merchants of the Vorin kingdoms. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why he's adopted that sort of structure. But I, I do think that he is sort of applying that structure to himself and not that he is from that culture. It's just sort of a paradigm that works well for his particular circumstances. So he's like, let me put this in like terms you can understand. Ayatel is my Babsk, as they would say in Thalen. She's my, you know, trade master whom I am learning from. Interestingly, he also has his face and hands covered in scars. Yeah, he's always described as being incredibly scarred. And because of the Thytokar reveal, that will become more important. Maybe there was a kinship that they felt uh, to one or another. Or it's some weird, like, hazing ritual. I could also see oh that God, because that would be terrible. our boy is a little bit cray-cray. <laughs> now, for me, one of the most interesting things is Marais's, like, hidden cave i actually think it's like in a basement or something but he's got a room that has a bunch of cosmere artifacts and or magic things yeah and that's in words of radiance right Mm -hmm. when we first see it so we know that he has for example a green avr a seon that he uses for communication with shallan at least two we would think and white sand he has a Yolish branch. They don't say Yolish, but we know that it's from Yolin. But in the book, it does say it has a weird script written on the branch and a flower that we believe is the Tears of Edgley. In addition to, I think there's one or two other things described in that case that we don't we're know. less sure what exactly they are. So he has all of these different artifacts or things from different Cosmere planets. That's like the first big hint. They're like, oh, Marais is a world hopper. But now we know that all of those different things might be trying to serve a, a purpose. He might have been uh, always driven by this goal of finding a way to get off or unbind yourself from a planet through investiture. Probably the most important thing, though, that Marais does in Rhythm of War is his conversations with Shallan about the 
overall Cosmere economy. So let's hit you with some of these. These are the big ones, I think, for telling us what is going on here in Rhythm of War and why it's so important to the rest of the Cosmere, not just the Stormlight Archive. I will play Marais. Would you play Shalon, who is playing Radiant? Of course. Excellent. Quote, ask a better question. Nolithus, Radiant said. Scadariel, what are they? Nolithus, Scadriel. He spoke the words with a different accent. Where are they? That's an excellent question, Radiant. Suffice it to say, they are places in Shadesmar where our stormlight, so easily captured and transported, would be a valuable commodity. End quote. Let's just roll right to the next one. Quote, Trade to Rashar through Shadesmar has been historically difficult, as there is only one stable access point, one controlled by the Horn Eaters, who have been unpleasant to deal with. Yet Rashar has something that so many other peoples in the Cosmere want, free, portable, easy access power. End quote. To me, those two quotes are really pointing at what we brought up at the beginning. Brandon was inspired by Spice and Dune, and here on Rashar, he has created his spice. He has created his thing that everybody else everywhere in the Cosmere wants. Yeah, we already know that this is why Vasher is on Rashar. Yes. Easy access to power. Exactly. So Vasher is just an example of what everyone in the Cosmere will become, is my theory. And we... So while Marais is our access point into thinking about this Cosmere economy, he himself kind of thinks he's figured out the problem, though he is not yet able to execute it. He says to Shallan about the problem of being bound and investiture being bound. Mm-hmm. He says this, quote, This little flaw has caused untold trouble, and the one who unlocks the secret would have untold power literal power radiant the power to change worlds so you want to unravel the secret radiant said i already have marais said making a fist though putting the plan into motion will be difficult i have a job for you end quote that sets up shallan for her journey that she has in rhythm of war but most importantly he is very clearly saying what do we want free portable easy to access power And he believes he has figured out a way to accomplish this. Which seems to involve killing slash trapping a herald. Yeah. Which, like, I don't really draw the line between those two things. I don't know if he just wants to, like, test his theory on the herald that he's going to trap inside of the dagger. But we know that those heralds are incredibly powerful entities. And while the initial urge i do think is about easy to access power and invested gemstones the herald focus might be the more thytokar part of this story well right because if thytokar is who we think he is so let's uh, the heralds would be great test subjects exactly so let's stop pretending or holding back (laughs) on this reveal we did mention it in our overview episode of rhythm of war but the deep speculation on the internet not yet confirmed by brandon himself but it's quite widely speculated and i think there is so much good evidence yeah during that same 
conversation between Shalon and Mraze where he declares war on her. <laughs> Mraze says to her, quote, you make an enemy of the most powerful organization in all the Cosmere. I think we can handle you. Perhaps. Can you handle my master? Can you handle her master? Thydekar, Shalon guessed. Ah, so you've heard of him. The Lord of Scars, Wit calls him. Well, when you next meet this Lord of Scars, give him a message for me. End quote. Now, Lord of Scars is our first big hint that Thydekar is Kelsier, someone clearly driven by his scars, clearly his scars being a big aspect of not just Kelsier's life, but also the whatever that is running around Scadriel now that we call Kelsier. Well, yeah, the cognitive shadow of Kelsier, which also like makes so much sense when you think about the fact that Ayatil, who is Mraze's master, is a southern Scadrian, and we know that Kelsier's cognitive shadow has come to the southern Scadrians, and they, you know, revere him as a god king sort the of Lord thing. The Lord Ruler is yeah. like the name they give him. <laughs> then we have uh, the the follow up to that previous quote. Can you do this one? Yeah, Mraze tells her that Thydekar doesn't come to Rashar except as an avatar, which I thought was super interesting. And then Shalon says, "Quote." Then tell his avatar something for me. Tell him we're done with his meddling. His influence over my people is finished. She hesitated, then sighed. Wit had asked nicely. Also, Wit says to tell him, deal with your own stupid planet, you idiot. Don't make me come over there and slap you around again. End quote. This is big point number two, which is... Hoyd doesn't slap many people around. From a word of Brandon, we actually know that he picked up a Dawn Shard and cannot physically harm people. He has a lot of difficulty physically harming people. The only person we have seen him physically harm himself is Kelsier. So Kelsier is our speculated Thydekar, leader of the Ghostbloods, and all of these things that we have been talking about and discussing are the goals of Kelsier. Not the goals of Marais, not the goals of right. Ayatil, the goals of Kelsier. Kelsier wants to find a way to move investiture between the planets. Kelsier wants to find a way to get the heavily invested bound entities to be unbound and to travel across the Cosmere. I would not, not that Kelsier lacks uh, greed for power and money, but I feel that Kelsier's main uh, goal would be more of the personal transportation side, since he is a cognitive shadow that would have extreme difficulty leaving Scadriel, and that maybe Mraze is the party who is more interested in, like, just the... Making money. Yeah, basic, yeah, power and money. I mean, that's a fine motivation for Mraze, but I believe that... All of the different aspects of Rhythm of War, all the hints, all the conversations with the Heralds, with the Prologue and Gavilar, with Vasher and Kaladin, all of those things is pointing us to what is important to Thydekar Kelsier. Right, which I think is himself being able to move between worlds. Exactly. Like, that's the big thing. And the concept that one person who we, you know, Brandon first wrote about in like 2008, I think is when that was released and who we have followed basically as just 
an idea, a concept, the physical body that is Kelsier, that person no longer exists in the Cosmere. And this is the hardest thing to remember and to keep in mind. But not only is Kelsier now, or what we call Kelsier now, a cognitive shadow, but he is also a sliver of infinity, a sliver of adenalsium, who held the power of a shard and got those little glimpses of future sight. So he has an incredible array of power normal people do not have access to. I mean, there's very few slivers I mean, that have existed. On the scale, like, he's a very small sliver. I would not say that that is, like, his big power. Well, You know, like, just... he didn't hold it for that long. I mean, he held it for a while in Mistborn Secret History because he moves it from the... It's not an instantaneous holding of just, like, he has it for a second. He, like, picks up the shard and then needs to get it to Vin in another location. But I think that just entities in the Cosmere that have either hold a shard or have held a shard are very small. So, like, I would put the Cognitive Shadow of Kelsier above any of our Radiance, any of our normal people, even above things like Vasher, who are very knowledgeable and very old— Vasher never held a shard, and we don't know quite what that does to you Yeah, I was going to say, I guess I just don't really have a concept of, like, what that would do to you since the previous slivers have died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lord Ruler so, is the other kind of example of I mean, do we see any specific instances of Kelsier's cognitive shadow having, like, super special sliver powers? Yes, at the end of Mistborn Secret History, I wouldn't say it's like a super special, but it's it's the his ability at the end of Mistborn Secret History. He goes and has a conversation with Spook where mm -hmm. he's basically like, I learned a whole bunch of stuff and I'm going to need you to help me enact it. Mm -hmm. The whole bunch of stuff that I think he learned is all the stuff he learned as a sliver. And he is basically now just trying to, like Teravangian in a way. I feel like Teravangian before he becomes Teravodium mm -hmm. is a great comparison to Kelsier. They both got a glimpse of the infinite Cosmere and the access to the spiritual realm. And they did slightly different things with it. But both of them are like have set themselves on a path to accomplish their goals. They formed with yeah. this power well but we've talked a lot about all of the pitfalls that that entails when you only have that one glimpse mm -hmm. like it's not an ongoing thing and there's a lot that can go wrong with that so i don't know if i would necessarily say that that gives him a bunch of like extra powers yeah okay i am using powers incorrectly in yeah. a fantasy world because they have actual powers <laughs> what i mean is he has what we've talked about before. He has a weight. slight edge. I mean, I'm I'm going with it's more than slight. The concept that it seems driving Kelsier, this survive, kind of seems like an intent. But that and happened before he became a cognitive shadow, before he was a sliver, before anything. And the important aspect of this I think is what Vasher tells Kaladin in the conversation they have because what Vasher is, a returned, is very similar to what Kelsier the Cognitive Shadow is. Yeah. So let's go to Vasher's conversation about different invested entities. He says, quote, 
but I'm also a type two invested entity. Used to call myself a type one, but I had to throw the whole scale out once I learned more. Imagine it this way. You know how you can make an imprint in creme, then let it dry and fill the imprint with wax to create a copy of your original object? Well, that happened to my soul. When I died, I was drenched in power. So when my soul escaped, it left a duplicate, a kind of fossil of a soul, end quote. Could you read the next one? Because this is the, the money maker that Vasher throws out. And this is about the heralds. Quote, when they died, they left an imprint behind. Power that remembered being them. You see, the power wants to be alive. The longer one of us exists, the more like a spren we become. Consumed by a singular purpose, our minds bound and chained by our intent. We're spren masquerading as men. The very last thing that he says is, that's why she takes our memory, referring to his endowment. shard endowment. So the whole bunch of stuff here. Now, this applies to Vasher. It applies to the Heralds. We believe it applies to Kelsey or Thydekar as well. So they are power left behind, a fossil of a soul. They are consumed by a singular purpose, their minds bound and chained by our intent. That's capitalized in the book as well. So, and then finally, we're spren masquerading as men. This is all very problematic. Not when you apply it to someone like Vasher, who seems kind of cool, but very problematic when you apply it to someone like Kelsier, who was yeah, always kind of crazy. I th well, I think that's like my question or my confusion is that if they are both type two invested entities, like they seem to be quite different in many ways where like I could totally see how Kelsier could be power that remembers being Kelsier, but Vasher seems to be so much more like free because and human maybe because it was done by he was endowment. like actually sent back yeah. physically to the physical world. My concept is that basically Vasher is doing it the closest to the right way that can be done. Maybe the heralds were close as well because it was directed by a shard. So if anything, I would say that the heralds would be closer to Kelsier because they have like really retained their original identities. And that's the problem. Like, yeah, like how Vasher says here, she endowment takes away the memories of the returned. So they're kind of like a, you know, a, a blanked out soul yeah. that instead of creating a new soul she just kind of like wipes this one and s sends it back so it's like not you know pure but at the same time they have no concept of who they were before this so there's like nothing that they're trying to override or anything like that whereas when the heralds come back for all they know they're the exact same person just with now you know incredible amounts of investiture and, and blessings basically from the shards i do i would rank it in the same way that you are basically vasher is the most appropriate type 2 invested entity then the heralds are lesser than vasher and finally something like kelsier is the least appropriate 
type two invested entity. Yeah, because the Heralds at least like had some kind of concept and, and structure yeah. and yeah, like purpose when they were doing it with awareness. Whereas Kel- Kelsey just refused to die. Yeah, just like is cobbling everything together. And so it is that thing, that fossil of a soul that became a sliver that held on to the power of preservation and eventually gets it over to Vin. To me, that is the the biggest kind of problem is that Kelsier brings all of his baggage, all of his hatred, all of his um his intents, his, you know, desire to survive. And then that gets amplified, twisted, warped, however you want to phrase it, by the power of the shard and then is driving him forward for what now we think is hundreds of years just as this cognitive shadow Kelsier. Yeah, I don't know if that, again, I don't know if that's coming from the power of the shard. It sounds like that is just like the by virtue of being a type two invested entity. But I think that's a good thing to keep in mind is that just like the heralds have, I guess you could call it an intent, but like they have their own magical maladies um, is what I am calling them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, their little insanities. It seems like Kelsier will probably have something similar, some specific focus that has taken an unhealthy turn, most likely. Yeah, I think he would be the most susceptible to an unhealthy turn. This, what Vasher says, consumed by a singular purpose, bound and chained by their intent. Vasher is probably more resistant to that. Yeah, like, interestingly, Vasher doesn't seem to have that. Like, maybe he's just really good at hiding it. Obviously, endowment sends them back with, like, the idea of a purpose or an intent. But we know that that isn't quite working out the way it's supposed to on Nalthus, where the returned are just lasting forever instead of, like, fulfilling their intent and moving on. I do think it gets into something as well about the specific creation of Vasher, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but just remember that Vasher has a single breath, a godly or shard-powered breath that gives him the fifth heightening, and then on top of that, he consumes Stormlight to stay alive. So he does have something that is slightly different in that there's a piece of endowment that he is basically part of his soul now, and that is maybe insulating him from some of these problems yeah we could also look to hoyd who used breaths as a mean of storing parts of his memory and maybe power generally that maybe breaths specifically are a little bit different in terms of how that interacts with the spirit web whereas like the metals we know metallurgy furukami obviously hemology, but those things will change your spirit web. If you use mm. a power too much, it will You mean warp like becoming a savant? savant yes. Um, and we don't think that there's necessarily something similar when it comes to breath. Vasher's been around for a really long time. He doesn't necessarily show those types of problems. Maybe that's because breath is different and it's not impacting the spirit web I mean, web maybe the that's way. the thing. It's like he can't become a savant. He just... Stays. dies if he stops consuming investiture. <laughs> yes. You know. 
so Thydekar is, to me, probably like a better name to give Kelsey. I was just going to say that. I think it's really important that the thing that exists now is Thydekar. Mm-hmm. It is not Kelsier, the man that we knew in book one of Mistborn. That's a really hard discrepancy to like keep going, and we'll probably say Kelsier, and I'm sure his name will show up again in the books, but I do believe for intellectual purposes, we should yeah. think of Thydekar as the thing it's that exists It's the cognitive now. shadow, yeah. Yes, and it's a cognitive shadow that on Scadrial has been stapled back into a human body, onto a corpse. And my question is, is that physical body the thing that is bound? And so if you can basically... <laughs> If you have this physical dude that's walking around, Lord of Scars, Lord Ruler in Mistborn Era 2, is that body going to just fall down dead one day and his cognitive shadow will be put into a magical gemstone? That magical gemstone will be shipped over to Rashar and then a new body will be there and they will staple that maybe with a knife or something like hemology style? I don't know exactly how I imagine happening. That's how, yeah, that's what I would guess. Yeah, I don't think that the... I don't think the body is going to like walk, walk through Shadesmar. <laughs> I think it does have to be a kind of... Uh, at least when they are these type 2 invested entities, but not Vasher. Vasher's a weird one because he and Vivenna, from A Word of Brandon, just straight took a caravan that exists between Nalthus and Rashar. They yeah. just hopped on and rode it over. So that's what I was saying about how, like, it's kind of unclear how this capital C connection is impacting different types of people and mm-hmm. their movement abilities because it's not quite consistent from what we see right now. I agree. It is unclear and it doesn't necessarily make a whole bunch of sense. We need more info, which, you know. We'll get at some point. Always the... <gasps> Never enough answers. <laughs> yeah, the thing we need is more information. What I would love to speculate wildly about are the things that would be valuable enough to trade between our Cosmere planets. If you have some ideas or concepts that you want to share with us, you can reach out to us on Reddit or Facebook, Twitter. We are everywhere. Find us and let us know what you think. But this is what I've been able to cobble together. The first is from Scadrial. And I have it back up with a word of Brandon if we need to quote that as well. But Brandon says that the main export from Scadrial used to be canned food, which was developed during the Lord Ruler's time. That's interesting. It is. We'll put a pin in that for just a second. Uh, But he said that it will likely become aluminum in the future. I feel like it already has become aluminum. And this word of Brandon was from a long time ago. Got it. Okay. uh, Aluminum is clearly the valuable metal. Aluminum, yeah, is the big thing. And then if you want to talk about more than just like physical commodities, but just like practices, ideas, et cetera, which are also things that sort of yeah, sometimes accidentally yeah. yeah, get traded along with the commodities. You could also say like hemallergy, mm-hmm. um, I think, is a concept practice that is going to be uh, disseminated out to other corners of the Cosmere. Absolutely. I definitely found the canned food aspect of their that was their main export for a long time and it's like what people would come to 
Scadriel to get was to get a bunch of canned food. It makes sense, but also, like, I can't remember seeing or hearing about canned food on any other planets. So I'm curious, like... Who got the canned food? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, why didn't it become widespread? You would think that if something like that was brought back to Rashar, they would try to imitate it. Yes. See, Rashar is actually where I think it would benefit the most, but we don't see it at all. And they found another thing, so they don't really need canned food because they have soul cast food. But Yeah, but they have such a struggle with soul casting food. Yeah, canned food You know, you have to have the soul casters and you have to have the people to wield the soul casters. And like, you know, it's a whole thing that gives, you know, a significant advantage to people in battle. Yeah, I mean, canned food in our own world was a military invention, has a very interesting history. But Napoleon, early 1800s, put out like a what we would call a like a challenge trial or a a epic prize he basically was put out a message across the entire french empire and was just like hey anybody who finds a way to better feed my troops gets a bunch of money you just get cash money and someone came to him with like preserved canned food using a bunch of salt and other things to preserve the meat and he was like you win and then they started mass producing canned foods for his army Clearly, if you have a huge military moving over a continent like the Alethi, canned food would make a big deal, but we don't see it on Rashar. And I don't, like you, remember where else it would, came up, but that's from a straight word of Brandon. So he is saying it used to be canned food, but it will become aluminum, which he mentions exist in the Scadrian crust, the actual physical earth or Scadria. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the actual physical crust of the planet has far more aluminum than our planet Earth. And he said in this quote, it will be more impactful on Scadrial and in the Cosmere than it was on Earth. And if you haven't looked around yet, uh, on here on planet Earth, aluminum was quite popular. We use it for a lot of things, including canned food. <laughs> now, going on to all of our other planets, clearly we've talked about Rashar a lot. Their main export is going to be Stormlight-infused gemstones. Another uh, sort of practice or idea that has been transmitted is shard blades. Yes. We, we have... already know that the concept of a shard blade has made its way to Nalthus, and that is why we have Nightblood. And so, generally speaking, when it comes to your economy, you are talking about the the intellectual yes. uh, kind of trade that happens. But the the physical resource is what allows for that intellectual trade to happen. And so I'm just adding I'm just adding color yeah, to our no, no. list here. It absolutely is adding color. I just I want to be very clear. Like Brandon has clear physical things that he is yes. saying these will be traded from X to Y and move back and forth. That's your basis of trade, which means if they go away, your thing the intellectual, also goes away. First of the sun. Obviously, AVR. We've seen those already on Rashar. Very confused how they get there. We'll talk about that another day. Taldane has white sand. Which is, in so many places in Rhythm of War, very exciting. And then, of course, uh, Nalthus. Well, we suspect that the export from Nalthus would be the Tears of Edgley, which are the special flowers that produce the best dyes 
um, on Nalthus, which is already a huge component of, of their economy. the economy on Nalthus itself. Yeah, I mean, Halandrin, the city of the gods, only exists as a power source because they have these dyes. It's a very interesting thing. I can't wait till my boy Adolin gets some folios with the new Nalthian dyes, <laughs> yeah. and he's just like, these are the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I'm going to do colors everywhere. Look at everywhere. this color. Yeah, it's going to be popping. Oh my gosh. Now I'm just imagining Adolin as like a tie-dyed hippie. Oh. <laughs> sometime in the future just like yeah man groovy i see him more as like the uh the high fashion model it just <laughs> pops of color from cell the seans as as a communication device clearly highly valuable and something we know that can be moved off world as we've already seen it on rashar because we know that marais had that uh that weird branch with the script I was thinking that maybe Yolen, that would be their export, but also we think Yolen's like kind of destroyed, so maybe they don't have an export-import game anymore. I mean, Yolen's export is the shards. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, it's not not an export. It's just a thing they sent out once. I mean, they exported them. You you can't they, just export. They already exported the original <laughs> investiture. They're like, our job here is finished. Yeah, we peace out. <laughs> And so you can imagine how each of these planets, if they were controlling their special thing, their key resource, that everybody's going to want some white sand and Taldane could become very, very powerful because they are the only place that you can get white sand. Of note lately, though, Brandon did say that the microorganisms on the white sand can be found or can be placed on other planets but i don't they think can that's survive yeah i don't think that's planets, happened yeah. yet i mean it should have happened on rashar because they have deserts and just like the microorganism has been introduced you yeah, know but if like, everyone's keeping it like in a box or like a glass thing and they're not yeah, throwing it like, into the regular desert think about that if you were to combine the cosmere with our world and like we got on a plane with some white sand we would have to fill out a customs form and they would be like nah dude you can't bring that shit here you can't even bring an apple. Of course you can't bring white sand filled with microorganisms. You know why? Because they will quickly take over and destroy everything. So, like, that's already happened. I certainly think that the potential of something like that is very high. And it may have something to do with the secret disease in the West. Oh, that's like, interesting. What do microorganisms do other than, as you said, take over and destroy everything? They do that through disease. Like we react poorly well, to we don't new know if it would affect a human population, but good thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mutations and whatnot. We have a whole bunch of practice with this now. <laughs> Not that we are good with it. We just know that it's there, causing us problems. We are all now amateur infectious disease experts. Can you be an amateur expert? No, (laughs) unfortunately not. But maybe we missed something. Maybe there's another resource out there that could be part of the import-export trade game. Yeah, if there's anyone out there who has just been itching to discuss the intricacies of interworld economy, please contact Tyler via our Twitter so that he has someone to talk to about all this. It's not just me, okay? This is now (laughs) canon. This is part of the whole story. So, yes, 
I win when I brought up the Cosmere <laughs> economy from three years ago. Yes, you have finally gotten your wish. Oh, uh, it took a while, everyone, but we have reached this point. Going forward, lots more Rhythm of War episodes. We are probably going to begin doing the epigraphs and breaking down each of those different epigraphs, pulling in as much information that they that we learn from them. Thank you so much for coming along this Cosmere journey with us. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. <laughs> <laughs>